Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. Welcome, my friends, to this week's episode of the Manager Track podcast. We're going to dive into the topic of distractions and how to manage distractions as you go about your day, each day, every week, all year round. But before we do so, I want to take a moment to express my gratitude for all of those of you who keep coming back. You know who you are. I'm sending my love out to you. I am so grateful you're here and that we get to connect each and every single week through this podcast. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you spend the five seconds it will take for you to hit that five star on your podcast platform? It would mean a lot to me. Okay, so now let's dive into distractions. So the topic of optimizing time management and productivity and managing distractions is something that I address comprehensively in the Leadership Accelerator program. And this month, time management is the topic of focus in my Leadership Circle program. If you want to learn more about either of those, the Leadership Accelerator program for new managers or the Leadership Circle for more experienced leaders, then head on over to RamonaShaw.com or check out the show notes. So now let's talk about distractions. So a while back, one of my clients slacked me a message and he said, my biggest insight this past week was about the scale and scope of distractions in my day-to-day work. I'm seeing it constantly now and I'm recognizing when I'm switching tasks just to avoid the pain. So before I explain what exactly he's referring to in terms of avoiding pain and all that, let's quickly talk about what the issue is with distractions. When we get interrupted, it can take 15 minutes to regain focus. Think about that. Every time that the doorbell rings or you have a notification pop up on your phone and you get interrupted or someone pings you and slacks and says, hey, a quick question and your attention moves away from the email you were drafting or the report you were creating or the slides you were preparing and you jump over there, you attend to the thing that interrupted you. It will take you 15 minutes to regain the same level of focus and attention that you had prior to being interrupted. And now this is based on a number of research studies out there and the consensus is clear. Now some say 15 minutes, others say 20 minutes. Point is, it takes a lot of time for you to get back into that same state that you were prior to the interruption. As we go through our days and whether that is in the office or at home, It is critical to our productivity and our ability to manage our time that we address distractions and avoid interruptions as much as we can. Now, I have three young kids and I totally understand and I'm with you that not all distractions can be eliminated. There are certain things I can't and don't want to tell or do with my kids to avoid them distracting me, right? But there is so much that we do have control over. And the intention of this podcast is to help you see what the impact is of the distractions and to give you some ideas and how you can control and mitigate those distractions and interruptions that you can control. Now, going back to research, we also know that when we try to multitask, we're actually 50% slower than if you did one thing at a time. And 
Now bear with me, multitasking or context switching really means that I'm constantly switching between one thing and another thing versus bringing one thing to completion and then moving on to something else. Now this could be that I'm trying to listen to a podcast when I'm also trying to answer emails. My brain can only hold one thought at a time. So I cannot have two thoughts going on simultaneously. So now I'm switching between listening to the podcast and responding to my emails and it will make me 50% slower than if I was listening to the podcast, absorbing that and then focusing completely on the emails. It is also that interruptions, even if they're only, according to research, 2.8 seconds, can double the amount of errors we make. So going back to the point about Slack messages and email notifications and messages popping up on your phone, this will impact not only your productivity, but also the quality of your work. So managing distractions and becoming better at being focused on one thing at a time, regardless of how strong the temptation is to switch context and do something else or to walk away because we feel like we need a snack in the moment. It's imperative that we learn to get through this and to stay focused as long as we possibly can, even if it feels uncomfortable. So speaking of the work quality, in the book, Indistractable by Nir Eyal, which is one of my favorite books on time management, he talks about this case study where in a hospital, they noticed that a lot of errors were made in handing out medications and pills to patients. And they realized that a lot of it had to do with the nurses responsible for doing this task were being distracted. So they introduced the indistractable vest, which was basically a bright colored vest that the nurse had to put on whenever they started sorting out and handing out medication to patients. This indistractable vest indicated to the person doing the task that they had to be single focused on this one thing, but equally important, it indicated and signaled to everyone around them that they cannot be distracted. So no one was allowed to talk to them. No one's allowed to ask them quick questions so that the nurse was able to completely focus on handing out and providing medications to patients. By doing this one thing, they were able to reduce the errors by 88%. 88% fewer errors just by wearing this indistractable vest. Now, the hospital is not unique and different to us. It's the same thing for us. We just can't track it as easily as hospitals can. But if you let yourself be distracted, the amount of errors you will make is significantly higher than if you were in that state of being indistractable. So it's pretty obvious when we talk about the time that you will lose when you're being interrupted, how much longer it will take you if you're trying to multitask or do this context switching, and how many more errors you'll likely make if you allow yourself to be distracted. So I trust we're on the same page. Being distracted is not a good thing. But hear me on this, there's nothing wrong with you if you notice yourself being distracted a lot, if you're tempted to check your emails or to check your Slack messages or your text messages when you see something pop up. We are programmed, our brains are wired 
to check on these notifications, to see what it is, because it creates this state of alertness and urgency. And there could be a potential threat. That's at least how our brain interprets it in that message. Maybe it is the boss who has an urgent request. And if I don't attend to it, then I'm going to have this threat coming my way. So your brain wants to check and make sure that nothing bad is happening. It's also that when we are in a state ourselves where we notice, oh my God, this is really getting tedious, or I don't know anymore what to say, or I'm getting bored with these slides, and we feel this discomfort, that's when our brain wants to get out of it. And you know what it will suggest to you? How about we do something else? How about we check emails for a second? I think you're hungry. How about we walk to the fridge for a moment? All those little suggestions that your brain will offer you in the moment when you feel this discomfort or being bored or being annoyed by what you're doing is completely normal because your brain is wired to avoid discomfort and seek pleasure. Nothing wrong with you. The reason why our brain is wired this way is because it helped us survive. When there was a perceived imminent threat, we would focus on that and make sure that we attend to it. Now, if we hear a strange sound outside of our cave and we start paying attention to that, yes, that was a good thing back when we used to live in caves. But our old brain doesn't realize that attending to the email doesn't come with death. So it perceives it as a threat and it will shift our attention to that thing which by all means, any email or any anger boss will not cause us to die. But to our brain, the stimuli, the trigger is very similar. So it's natural that we want to shift focus and address this thing. But we don't want our brain to take control and be unsupervised and be triggered by all the things that helped us survive thousands, thousands of years ago. No, we want to overrule this because we know better. We want to use our logical brain and we want to use our logical brain to manage this. Similarly, we're wired to avoid pain because pain was not helping us survive. Pleasure was helping us survive. So we're looking for the good things, the things that make us feel good. And that's how we build the habits to escape the pain and do the things that make us feel good. But if we think logically, we understand that if I stay focused with this thing that I'm currently doing, I will be faster at it and I will be better at it. So now it's up to you to overrule your natural instinct that your brain has to avoid this discomfort and you say, no brain, we're going to stay with this. And people who have a high tolerance to pain or discomfort, they simply just got better over time to tolerate this state of discomfort. I like to call this the emotional stamina to just stay with it, with the feelings and the emotions that don't feel so good. But you do it anyways because your logical brain understands the payoff that you will get when you stay with it. Now that brings me to a few of the simple tangible steps that I want to share with you in this podcast that you can start practicing in order to better manage distractions in your day. The first one is to delay this urge to escape the discomfort. So this is not about managing other people or other things that would interrupt us, but this is about your inner drive to escape the discomfort and wanting to be distracted, right? So what you do here when you delay the urge is that when you notice, oh, 
I have this desire right now to walk to the fridge or to get up and get coffee because I'm feeling uncomfortable. I don't know what to write anymore. I'm feeling bored. That you tell yourself in that moment, no, I'm going to stick with it for 10 more minutes. I personally set the timer sometimes. I say, Siri, set a 10 minute timer. And then I will commit to not getting up until the timer goes off. And oftentimes when the timer goes off, I've already overcome this and I'm feeling good again. It's really about being able to sit in this discomfort and not let those urges rule and run your days. The second one, this is now more about the distractions that you get from people around you and things around you is that you want to let other people know that you're focused and don't want to be distracted. That can include turning off notifications, changing the status on Slack, putting your phone away. In an office environment, you can put up a flag or some kind of symbol that you will let people know in advance that if this is up or if I have my headset in, that means I'm doing focused work. Please do not distract me. You can send me an email or send me a message and the moment I'm done with this task, I will check my messages and attend to it. So you communicate this up front and then you use a signal to let people know that you can't be distracted. In a home environment, you can say to your kids, for example, when the door is closed, I am doing focused work and I will come out the moment that I'm done with it. But please do not distract me. If the door is open, you can walk in at any point in time. Some of my clients put up little signals or door handles to let their kids know when it's okay to distract them and when it's not okay to do so. And all that, of course, depends on your work situation, depends on the age of your kids, if you're talking about kids, depends on whether you work at home or in an office. But figure out what kinds of signals that you can use to others, just like that indistractable vest at the hospital, to let other people know that this is not a good time to be distracted. Otherwise, people cannot read your mind. They do not know what you're doing and if you're welcoming distractions right now or if you're welcoming a quick chat or if it's not a good time. So you got to send that signal out. The next suggestion that I have is about quick questions. So when I observe my clients and we talk about all the things that get in the way of optimizing their time and productivity, the thing that gets in the way the most for people in leadership positions is that a lot of people reach out to them, either through email, through a messaging tool, or walking by their desks with those quick questions. They sound so innocent, and literally they are often just a quick question that can be answered in a moment. But remember that statistic that I shared earlier, that even interruptions of 2.8 seconds will reduce work quality, and they will take a lot of time for you to get back into that same focused state that you were prior to the distraction. Now, someone may come to you and they say, hey, I have a quick question. You will give them an answer and you just save them 10 minutes because they didn't have to go and look at the intranet or Google the answer or look up and search for documents somewhere on your drive and you made their job a bit easier in the moment, save them some time. But that came at the cost of your own time. You now lose 10 minutes or 15 minutes because you got interrupted in what you were doing. So the equation doesn't make sense. But it's not their fault for asking. It's on us to communicate and handle this better because we know better. There's a three-way approach that I suggest to prevent those quick questions. 
over the next two weeks, when someone says, hey, can I ask a quick question? You will ask them first, can this wait until we have our one-on-one meeting? Which hopefully you have a weekly one-on-one meeting. If they say no, then ask them, can we handle this via email? Can you send me an email instead? If they still say no, then you can ask, can we schedule a meeting later today? I'm free after 2 p.m., for example. If they still say no and they say no, it's super urgent, then you attend to it, but never before asking these three questions. Now, in the beginning, this sounds like a little bit of extra effort. Yes, but it will teach your direct reports and people around you that you will always ask those questions and they will start asking this themselves before they come to you. You have to train them and you can even be explicit about it and say, listen, I'm trying to focus more and be less distracted. So I'm going to ask you to always think if this can wait for our one-on-one, if you can handle it via an email, or if you want to schedule a short check-in, a 10-minute check-in and put that on my calendar before you ask me a quick question. They will learn and adapt. We all do. And I've seen this with so many clients. This works wonders. So give this a shot. Try it out. And if you don't like people scheduling more meetings on your calendar because you feel like you're already constantly in meetings, then another solution would be to to book a regular daily office hour into your calendar. And that works really well, especially in a remote environment where let's say every day between 4 and 5 o'clock or 4.30 and 5 o'clock, you are logging into a virtual conference room and you're there to answer any of those quick questions that people can bring to you. So they can dial in if they have something or they can just ignore the meeting if there's nothing that they want to discuss with you. If no one dials in, you're just hanging out there. You can work on your emails or do other things. And if someone jumps in, you're there to address their questions. But that way you have a solution in place. You're still providing that support, but you're doing it in a way that optimizes your time and improves your work performance and your work quality, while also empowering your employees to first look for the answers themselves. And then if they do need to support, you give them options on how to solicit your support. So let's do a quick recap. We talked about why handling distractions is so important if you want to improve your productivity and make the most out of your time that you have at work each day. Then we talked about why we have this inner drive to let ourselves be distracted by moving away from the thing that we're focusing on and checking emails or going to the fridge or doing other random things because we're wired to escape these feelings of discomfort. And we talked about how to handle distractions and interruptions that come at us from the world around us. That includes putting up that indistractable vest in the form and shape that works for you, such as signals and explicit communication. And then we also talked about how to handle the quick questions. So if you want to dive deeper on these topics, then join us in the leadership circle. If you're looking for ongoing leadership growth and exposure to new ideas and perspectives, it's a monthly program with zero long-term commitments. Come check it out and join us at Ramon shaw.com forward slash leadership dash circle and if you're a new manager and you found these insights really helpful then check out the leadership accelerator program this is a 12-week coaching and training program specifically designed to help new managers be set up for success ramonashaw.com forward slash leadership dash accelerate would be the place to learn more all about that 
With that, have a great week and I'll see you in the next episode of the Manager Track Podcast. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.